Hello, my name is Xavier Mercado, and this is Spearhead Conversations. Today, I'm joined by a special guest, Roy Cambronero. Um, Roy is a financial advisor helping people from Milwaukee and all across the nation. He's been doing this for nine years, and he's helped people reach their financial goals. Um, I've met Roy. I also follow Roy, and I've seen the type of work he's done. It's, uh, it's motivational, inspirational. And um, I reached out, and he agreed, and here we are today. So uh, without further ado, how you doing, Roy? Good, man. Thank you for uh, you know having me on. Super excited uh, to be here today. Yeah, man, dude. It's all about it. All about it. Uh, man, how's your day going? It's going good. Going good. Had some, meeting this mor- had some meetings this morning, knocked out some work, and uh, yeah, I was really looking forward to this all day. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> I uh, was distracted, but uh, no, I'm glad we're doing this. Well, on top of waiting for this all day, you got that drip award next to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you also got the drip on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, man, man, we are, oh, man, the view out of your office, bro. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm looking. I can see BMO, the top of City Hall, the Pfizer. This is a, man. This is a beautiful view. Yeah, thank you. Um, as I was telling you when we first moved into this office, yeah, um, you know it's high. It's, we're on you know twenty third floor, and I'd have to put um, the shades down. So they're big windows. Yeah. In this office, and so when I got up here, you know, I would like turn in my chair, or, you know, look different ways, and then I was getting dizzy. So I was like, oh, I had wow. to like close the shades. Yeah. Um, and then I got acclimated, got used to it. But yeah, it's it's beautiful up here though. Man, yeah, dude, man, I like I, I'm in awe. Even when I walked in through the the lobby, seeing that big window, I'm just like, no, bro. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. We got we got a really nice space here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am happy. You know, we we met through uh through groups of mutual friends. Um. Uh, it's always a, a great time in the way we connect through Jesse, Lisa, Garcia, um, or Diesel. Yep. Good old Diesel. Yeah. Uh, but um, I'm very excited to, ha- to to do this today. So um, you ready? Yeah, let's go. Man. So where were you born? Uh, born in Costa Rica, uh, but I was raised here, South Side Milwaukee. Nice. Uh, yeah, it was kind of like uh, not an accident because my mom knew I was coming, but the plan wasn't that to be born in Costa Rica. My parents actually met here, Milwaukee, South Side, uh, at South Division High School. There you go. Yeah, my pops though, he was living a different lifestyle at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, took off. He was he was in the streets and you know selling drugs, and he left. And my mom was young and you know eighteen, pregnant. Yeah. And so she went after him. Found out that he went back to Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. That's where my dad's from. My mother is from Puerto Rico. And uh, so she went down there to find him because, you know, she's pregnant and uh, she ended up being too far gone in the pregnancy. Yeah. She had to end up staying down there. Oh, wow. So she was I was born down there. She was by herself. Yeah. And it's like it wasn't even a hospital. It was like a, it's like it was like a building. Um, it's not even it's like a condemned and abandoned. Now I yeah. went back and saw it. But it's like a building, like a maternity ward. Mm hmm. And there's like no walls, no nothing. It's just like, just big room, big room full of women giving birth. Wow! And again, no no doctors, just a bunch that's, of midwives. Yeah, that's a culture shock. Yeah, for yeah. her and and she was young and by herself and, yeah. you know, my dad at, at that day, I think you know they, they couldn't find him and yeah. I think my uncle had to drive her and 
and take her and wow. and um yeah it was like on the side of a mountain or something crazy like it was it was like real remote and um yeah I had a lot of re- I always respect and love my mom but then once I found that out and it was that's a that's a crazy thing yeah to it's a thing through, yeah right? traumatic yeah, and, definitely and then like yeah having a kid right I was mm-hmm. the first kid and then now she's in this you know country and yeah she spoke the language but she's by herself by herself literally and uh yeah she had me and uh, but they came back. I think I was like I was under a year old. Yeah. So I was raised in Milwaukee. Milwaukee. So, but yeah, that's that's my origin story though. Birth. <laughs> you know, I've never said this, but um, my dad was in the Navy. Okay. He uh, he screwed up his chances with my mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually supposed to be born on a Navy base. Okay. In Puerto Rico. Oh. And what ended up happening was. My mom decided to get on a plane when you're not supposed to get on a plane. Mm. And at nine months, she got on a plane and came back. Uh, I was born in the Bronx. Okay. But you know what my original name was supposed to be? What? Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was good. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah. But I was born in the Bronx, and then six months later, we moved to Milwaukee. And okay. I've been here. Yeah. But uh, how was your childhood? Uh, it was it was a little it was uh it was yeah it was a little wild uh, a lot of love in the house though like um it was it's weird because my dad was he was a good father yeah but he was in the streets for sure right so and my mother was great my mother is great and um she she was always the foundation and and they got divorced so my mom stayed with my dad after I was born yeah. But then uh, they got divorced when I was like six, mm-hmm. like six, seven. And uh, so, but the life, you know, my childhood was, uh, I got exposed to a lot, which in hindsight, it actually was great for me. Yeah. Um, navigating life, navigating, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it, like military and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's it's actually kind of full circle we'll get to, but, you know, having my dad, it was weird. Cause again, like I said, my dad was a good dad. Outside of him being, oh, believe me, I I can relate to you. You know, like man, I my family, you know, we come from low income. Yeah. So you know, when you're exposed to that, Mm -hmm. it's more you. It's the type of wisdom you get from it as you grow. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're exposed to situations most don't go through, and through that, it just forms you into the person you are. Yeah. So, what were hobbies of yours, um, around that? Time. Yeah, I mean, growing up, what what helped me was uh, sports. I, I played basketball. Yeah, uh, what helped me not get into that lifestyle, right? Because like not only my father, but other family members and then the yeah. kids I grew up around. Because um, again, I got exposed to things where, like, when I was a kid, I remember uh, like being in bars, being in strip clubs, and, yeah. and like my dad is servicing people and um, you know selling drugs, right? And and it, it, I was young to were the age where like he had thought I didn't wouldn't remember things and then I would bring things up to him. Yeah. He's like, How the heck did you, you know, being at like random women's houses and For just sure. all this crazy stuff. So um as I got older and uh I got into sports, right? So mm-hmm. basketball was a sport I loved, played, I was decent, right? Wasn't like an elite athlete, but I was good enough to play in leagues and do different things and um that really helped you know, and I was competitive and was pretty decent, right? Um, yeah. And uh, that helped distract me from that type of lifestyle. So, like, instead of doing, you know, being in the streets, um, I was always playing basketball. 
yeah. know, from sun up to sundown, especially in the summers when, mm-hmm. when people are really getting into trouble. So, um, so that was a big thing that helped me. And then I also went to like community centers, right? So, um, uh, Milwaukee Christian Center, yeah, of the Twenty Third and Grief is not there anymore, but. Um, on the south side, that's getting exposed to like community centers and nonprofits mm-hmm. is another big piece of my life that really helped guide me in the path of like yeah. being the solution and not like perpetuating the issues that we had in our community. So for sure. Well, um, high school was a, a very exciting time, but after high school, you decided to go into the military, and you just yeah. briefly brought that up. So what what um, what brought that decision? So, um, yeah, so fast forward a little bit. I had um, my first daughter at, uh, I was 18, right? And so um, my daughter's mother uh, had, a, had a scholarship to go to Marquette Nursing yeah. School. I was, you know, going to go to, I went to Milwaukee, UW Milwaukee, um, and did like a half a semester. And I uh, went to, so I went to school and, but because the baby was coming, I was like, well, let me work. Let me support, you know, the baby, uh, because she had a scholarship. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to take care, pay, yeah. pay bills and stuff like that. So I dropped out, dropped out of college. Um, and then I did a lot of work in the nonprofit sector. Mm-hmm. And so then, I, you know, uh, by the age of like 24, um, I had a good title, right? I did a lot of really good work in the community, but then I had a title no education, no formal education. So I was like, what am I going to do? Right. At, now, yeah. now I'm with my now wife. Right. And collectively we have three daughters and I'm like, like, I can't really take care of us. Yeah. Cause I wasn't making the money that I needed to make to just have a, a regular, you know, sustainable life, I should say. Yep. And so that's where the um, thought in my head, because at the time I was working at South division high school, and I was helping with after school and summer programs, gang prevention programs, because mm-hmm. um, we worked with the like the programs I was a part of. We we targeted the most, you know, what they would label as the most disruptive yeah. students Risk. that no one yeah. can no one could work with. And so they brought our team in to like help and mentor them. Right. So I remember um, at the time I was like, man, there was a lot of our young men and women that we helped that were living certain lifestyles or exposed and they went to the military. And so I was like, in my head, I'm again, I'm 24, 25 now. And I'm like, well, and I sent all these other kids off yeah, and changed their life and it helped them. And um, I was always interested, but I didn't really have any relatives that were a part of the military. So I knew nothing like as mm-hmm. far as like what I was getting into. And so I walked into a recruiter's office. I was like, you know what? I'm going to join the military, had a plan. You know, I was like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do like medical in the medical field or engineering field, do a contract, get my education, come back and then get yeah. a good civilian job. Right. Um, and so I go through the whole process. You take this, uh, it's called an ASVAB test. Right. Yep. And uh, you score a certain level, you get different job opportunities that you can get. And so I did it through the army. And um, initially, again, I was going to go with that plan. Hey, medical or engineering. When that came back, the recruiter's like, hey, you scored really good. And I was like, okay, well, tell me what I can do. Like, what are the jobs I can take advantage of? And and I was like, but I want to be strategic. I want to do something, you know, that I can translate to the civilian sector. And so the guy's like, well, have you ever thought about doing work in the intelligence field? Wow. And I was like, 
no, I didn't think you could just do that, right? Yeah. And then he was like, no, no, you can, and you scored high enough. We got some positions for that. Really? Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I'm interested, right? And so and so that's what I ended up getting into in the Army. So that's then, yeah. intelligence, man. Yeah, yeah. oxymoron, right? They He's say, over here. <laughs> Let's... <laughs> that's what <laughs> man so now now you're in the military yeah it's intelligence yeah what were i know you can't speak on certain missions you were on but the overall experience of being in intelligence in intelligence yeah, it's super interesting, right? Like, it sounds super cool, right? And your your head goes to, like, Jason Bourne or, you know, Mission Impossible, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, it's not as exciting as the movies, right? You know, the movies are dramatized. But I did have an a amazing opportunity to serve at a high level. I really yeah. did. Like, I, I was really fortunate because um, there's a lot of people that get into the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, intelligence, it sounds super, like, high speed and dope, right? But... A lot of the times, if we're not in conflict, like a major war conflict, like you're really not doing anything. Right? Yeah. Um, and a lot of it ends up being like not clerical work, but like more desk jockeying type mm-hmm. of work, right? Um, but I got an opportunity to to get on a mission, right, which was in Central South America, mm-hmm. and I got to do my job at a high level. I really got to experience what it is to work in the intelligence field, work high level missions. Um, and again, it was full circle because, you know, you know, while I was born in Costa Rica was yep. my dad was dealing drugs and you know, exactly. So I ended up going down to this mission and mm-hmm. our, one of our main focus was, you know, counter cartel operations, drug interdictions, all that stuff. So it's kind of wild because like my dad now. Do you, you know, feel it was fate uh, the way that? Yeah, it was wild because circle. like now, like, you know, I said all the bad things about my dad, but now we're like great relationship. He changed his life mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. got real into to his faith in God. And I, I love that. You know what I mean? You do bring that out and you do it. You know what I mean? It, it's a part of who you were and you, you shouldn't veer off from that. You know, a lot of people like to do that. They like to say, hey, you know what I mean? People have their faults, but yeah. people are human. So it's, I I do respect that you you've brought that up and now you're yeah and my yeah. and my pops is he's pretty open about it too because once he started getting into church he kind of mm-hmm. shared his story and is real adamant about trying to help people change their life yeah um so that was like a cool experience for my dad too actually um yeah. uh, and and when I got that mission came back actually one of the big operations that we did there was a mission in Costa Rica there was this big um, this big guy that we're going after, right? And we ended up getting him, right, in Costa Rica. Yeah. Again, being born there. And it was interesting because at the time, um, the Costa Rican and American, you know, uh, cohesiveness wasn't truly there like it was in the past. They were yeah. There was this big movement of more socialistic, communist movement in Costa Rica, like a party, yeah. which was like very anti-military. So Costa Rica, interestingly enough, is the only country in Central America that does not have a military. They only have a police wow. force. Yeah, they only have a law enforcement, right? I did not know that. Yeah. And so like their their thought was like, hey, you know, we're we're um the Switzerland of Central America. No nobody's gonna come mess with Costa Rica because it's just tourists, it's peaceful, it's beautiful, it's calm. But then what happened is, um, and again, some of the operations we're doing, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, yeah. we call it the Northern Triangle. That's where a lot of the big players and groups that, you know, from coming from Mexico, Colombians, 
and a lot of the the transitional yeah. um, organizations that are helping move the product were up there in that northern triangle when mm -hmm. we started squeezing, right? And so what's the best place to to run ops plus it's close to Panama which infamously enough they're known, you know, for all the money laundering, right? Yeah. Um actually when we were down there there was this big thing called the Panama White Paper. Okay. Uh, white papers and that was a big thing where all this money laundering and connections to like Europe and the US and all this stuff came up so like it's it's pretty well known that, you know, Panama's like the money laundering capital. Yeah. So then Costa Rica's right there, so it's a lot easier to run operations, right? So anyways, the point was um, there wasn't a lot of uh, want for U.S. involvement in anything mm -hmm. because they're like, no, it's peaceful here. We don't need any military. But then it started getting crazy when we were down there. Um, and it did help that I was Costa Rican because, like, part of that cultural, yeah. like, that cultural connection was there. So it was like it was wild, right? And, again, at the time, think about, you know, a Southside kid. Didn't, I don't have a degree. Yeah. And then I'm down there talking with, like, vice presidents, ministers of defense, working with all our agencies over here, D.C. area, and uh, having um, influence in the stuff that we're doing. And then we did get the guy, and then there's this thing in the military called challenge coins, mm -hmm. that when you do operations or something, it's kind of like a little fun attaboy. Yeah. I got a coin from the Costa Rican operation. That's right. So I brought it back and gave it to my dad. Hey, right? so man. Like, yeah. So, yeah, that was a cool, dude. so when, I, when I got back home... Um, you know, he didn't know where I was or like he knew kind of the vicinity where I was because when you're in the operation is when you really can't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Once you're kind of out of it, it's stuff for the most part is yeah. like I can share what I'm talking about, right? Um, but when I got back, I kind of told him what happened. I was like, hey, man, this thing is operation. And then I gave him the coin and like he walks around and kind of brags. And every time he goes down, he visits family a lot and kind of just shows it off and stuff. So that, that was like a crazy full circle mm -hmm. opportunity for me. So. And so how long did you serve in the, the military? Yeah, I did eight years. Eight years? And then had that one deployment. Oh, gotcha. Um, you know, that's, that's a huge accomplishment, man. So I, uh, thank you for your service. Salute you. I appreciate I see the, it. Yeah, appreciate see it. the flag on your, your, your mug? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love it, man. I'm patriotic, man. I love this country. So um, eight years in the military, you decide to finally leave. Yeah. At what point did financial literacy become an interest? And when did it become that you took the career path of a financial advisor? Yeah, that was another kind of like just uh, like serendipitous type of like just being in the right place, right time. So I was in the reserves in the military, right? Yeah. And so as a reservist, you're kind of like part-time, right? Yeah. And so I was looking to transition out of the nonprofit sector. I'd gotten back home, finished training. And then at the time, uh, there was this opportunity to go full-time with the military because of the job that I had, they needed more people. Yeah. So there was this weird promotion they were doing because this never happens. But the military was like, hey, Army was like, we need people with your job. You can pick your first duty station um, if you do a full-time contract with us, which in the Army, like, you never yeah. get to choose anything really, right? Especially with, I was just in, I was yeah. like a baby soldier. Like, you don't get that opportunity. So I talked to my wife, and she's a, at, now at that time, fast forward, she finished her nursing degree, and she's a nurse now, so we were ready to go. Right. Yeah. I was like, are you down for this? And she's like, yeah, let's mm -hmm. go. 
we're going to go down to Georgia, right? Fort Stewart, which is in Savannah, Georgia. Had some buddies that were down there already and they loved it. It was really cool. So I was like, all right, cool. Like we're, that's what we're going to do. So in the meantime, um, I put my packet in, but then I get this inbox on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. And the inbox was a, from a recruiter from, from Northwestern Mutual, right? Where I'm at. And uh, she hit me up and said, hey, I was referred to you, saw your profile. I think you'd be a good fit to just explore some of the opportunities we had here. So I go in for this interview. Yeah. I know of Northwestern, but I had no idea like what a financial planner was or if I was even interviewing for that role. Yeah. So I went through the interview process, you know, fell in love with it. And um, yeah, that, that's so that that was uh, so then I, I went through the whole interview process, gave me an offer. And fell in love with it, and I talked to my wife. I was like, "Hey, what do you think of this?" Because it's a totally different industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really didn't have the resume or credentials, but I did well enough in the interview where they wanted to make me an offer. But it is it's an entrepreneurial venture, right? It's kind of like I got to build this on my own, and you know, it, if I don't if I don't grow clients, I'm not getting paid, right? And so it was a risk in that sense, and so mm-hmm. never did anything like that before. But I was passionate about the work. I was passionate about helping people especially in our communities with uh, financial literacy, education. Yeah. Um, and there was really no representation uh, at the time for anybody in our community to be an advisor. And so for me, I was like, all right, this is an opportunity. My wife was like, well, the Army's always going to be there. So I'm like, yep. all right, cool, let's go. And so I pulled my packet out, stayed in the reserves, yep. right? And then um, yeah, joined Northwestern Mutual and loved it. And it's been it's been life changing. It's been an amazing experience, amazing opportunity. Because again, with my resume, my background, there's no mm-hmm. way like I would have predicted I'd be yeah here here <laughs> yeah you know. And so um, yeah, I'm so grateful for it because yeah. again, it has transformed um, not only like my life, but like what I'm able to do for my family mm-hmm. and kids, and then too in the community, right? The impact. For sure. Um, you know, I do something that I'm very proud to say that I do. Yeah. And I never have to second guess it. And that was a thing leaving the military was, you know, that's a big issue with uh, a lot of folks transitioning out of the service. Mm-hmm. What can you find that keeps that purpose that, you know, you know, that fast paced life and um, knowing that you're making an impact, being part yeah. of something bigger than yourself. And that's where we have a lot of issues as you transition. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's, it's very well documented with, you know, the suicide rates, but, um, and then the drug addiction and all the things that, you know, that go wrong after the yeah. transition, a lot of that has to do is you, you don't find purpose anymore, right? And you miss that. And so just super blessed and fortunate to find, have found Northwestern Mutual because that filled that void for me. Do you remember your first day? Yeah, man. I, it was so, <laughs> it was wild because it was a training, right? Yeah. Uh, well, one of the first days was the one of the first days was really easy. The actual first day, we just presented, and, and mm-hmm. you know, it's like this presentation you do. You tell your life story. But the first day of training, bro, I was like, I was, I was lost in the sauce, bro. I was like, I was like, <laughs> what the hell am I doing here? I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here. I have no idea what they're talking about because my upbringing, yep, very, you know, uh, very poor. No financial expo- exposure to financial education or literacy, so all this stuff was like speaking another language. Yeah. So I'm sitting there in training, and I'm like, nothing's sticking, and I'm like in my head, what the heck am I doing here? Right? Like this yeah. isn't gonna work out. Um, but I just like, you know what? Um, I I said I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna stick with it. And and mm-hmm. with this career, it's like. Hey, give it at least five years, and yeah. that that was the decision um, me and my wife made. And 
glad I did. But that was the first day. It was like we say here, like it's like drink, drinking out of fire hydrant, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah, for sure. You can't. You can't. It's just so much information. And so for me, that was like super overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say um, throughout? Because it's nine years now. Yeah, eight and a half, but not yet. Eight and a half. We'll round up. We'll round up. It's nine sounds better. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, What is it? What has it meant to you to keep this career going, and and the impact it's had on your life? Yeah. So one of the big one of the and and it's still to this day part of my mission, right? And Mm -hmm. our team's mission. Um, So when we when I first got here. You know, I was like one of the only Hispanic advisors, for sure, like the only one from like actually Milwaukee, inner city. Um, so culturally, there was a big um, shift, right, yeah. in my life and like my workspace and environment. But again, going back to the military world, being in the career that I was, it was always like, hey, you got to be a chameleon, right? So like that was very, um, it was almost like I had to be in that mode again. So again, that helped me with just like, getting into something and finding the purpose, but, you know, being able to just navigate any situation that was helpful. However, you know, I would find myself in moments where you feel isolated, you feel by yourself because there was really no one that could, I could relate to. Right. Yeah. I, I'd have to always be the one to fit in. Right. Which is fine. And I'm, I'm cool for it because uh, I'm cool with that because it really helped me grow as an individual and it it pushed me out of my comfort zone. So I'm, I'm super grateful for that. But what happened was I got inspired and motivated to get in the leadership track here and wanting to help grow a team because again i found a need mm-hmm. that we just need more people from our communities so that we can impact folks to help educate and help people in this field yeah and it gets you know if it's delivered by people from your community mm-hmm. it just it hits better right for sure and you know we've been taken advantage of for years right and so the skepticism is really high in our communities when it comes to anything that has to do with finances or anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anything that's foreign to them, right? Uh, and again, being in a market where there's a lot of first generation uh, sure. people here in this country, um, there's some barriers you got to overcome, right? And so for me, I saw that as an opportunity. So to answer your question, you know, for me, the mission is um, to change mm-hmm. what a financial planner is perceived to look like, right? Gotcha. So when someone's like, because that was one of the first things, like my first like year or so, it was like I'd meet with people and be like, "Well, who's your boss, though?" Like I'm like, "Well, no, I'm I'm the advisor. It's me, yeah. right?" So I was on a mission to say, "Hey, if you know someone like that looks like me, or you know people on our team, and we have a lot of female advisors and other people of color, we definitely have in, in the city of Milwaukee the most diverse office when it comes to the financial advisors, and and I think that's a powerful thing." And so. When you see our team, you look at us. It's it's not going to be a shock to be like, oh yeah, of course they're financial planners, right? Yeah. And so that that's one of the missions because not only is it creating success for us as advisors, but the thousands of people that we're impacting and helping yep. that would have never pursued financial planning, yeah. right? Because it is a thing that's very intimate and people are nervous and scared. It's a very taboo topic, not only for our culture, but like almost yeah. everybody, right? Like yeah. in America, right? So it's always like, a, ooh, like <laughs> I want to talk about money, right? Yeah. Uh, that's why it's always, it's one of the leading causes in divorces, right? So. Oh, um, definitely. And so, yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? There's <laughs> arguments all the time, right? Yeah. And so that, that's where, and, it, and that's not specific to, you know, you know, minority groups. It's everybody. Yeah. Um, it's just we didn't have someone to come into the community to service those people. And I, so yeah. that's what one thing I always look back at. I'm like, 
there wasn't a push for us while I was in school to to learn financial literacy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I'm 34 right now, 32. I did a whole year of reading financial literacy and mm-hmm. um, self health books. Yeah, and now I'm putting all that information into what I'm doing right now with this platform. Yeah, you know, but. I, I think it's a big thing. Um, I know I will be raising my children. I, I do right now. You know, where financial literacy is, if not the most important thing you should know, that you should grow up learning from from a young age. Correct. You know? Um, but how do you stay updated on the latest trends and changes in the, the financial market? Because, you know what I mean? It, it fluctuates. It's up, it's down. It's mm-hmm. up, it's down. How do you stay ahead of that? Yeah, so you and your team. Actually, before that, yeah. how many people you got on your team? So right now we have, um, I'm going to count real quick in my head. <laughs> so there's uh, four full-time advisors. Mm-hmm. We have six in, or five interns. And our team specifically, I mean, our offices, there's a lot more, but on our team specifically. Yeah. And then we got um, a couple more that will be joining us in October. So we're, we, we should get up to like six full-time yeah. advisors, and then we have a good five interns right now. That's awesome. Yeah, so solid group. We're, we're growing. Again, started from mm-hmm. zero, and, and we're building. We're growing. Awesome. So back to that question again, yeah. how, how do you, you stay ahead with the trends and the changes in the financial market. Yeah, the, market. Big, yeah, the big thing for me is like read everything, mm-hmm. right? And, that, and that's the hard part of understanding like, you know, where to go with finances and planning because in today's day and age, right? Yeah. It's information overload, right? And that's, it's a beautiful thing. But when you're trying to decide what to do, right? The, you know, the mm-hmm. paralysis analysis, right? Like, there's so much, right? And so mm-hmm. like that's where our team comes together. And and again, we have the luxury of having this beautiful Fortune 100 t- um, a company to, to back us that they give us a bunch of stuff to just say, hey, you know, they've had all these, they have all these researchers and analysts that research stuff and look stuff and then they feed it to us, right? Yep. So we're reading everything, right? Um, and that's how, I know that's like a kind of like a cop-out answer, but it truly, it, like you got to be up on mm-hmm. everything, right? Yeah. And that was a cool thing that translated from what I did in the military to here. Because when we're running, when we're running operations, I had to know about any and everything because anytime, I'm, anytime we're going to go into a mission, we got to know about everything, yep. right? And so that's that was a healthy transition for me here because it's like, well, no, I have to be up on everything, right? Yeah. Even if it's something that I'm not interested in, I might have a client that is, so yeah. I got to be up on it, right? So, I I read all the all the periodical, not all the periodicals, right? Obviously, you can't, but you know all the top financial um, yeah. p- publications. Like I'm just getting blurps, right? Like, and if there's stuff that we got to dig into, we dig into. But again, our organization does a good job with their research team, mm-hmm. and they feed us a lot of the prevalent things that are happening in the markets, and then a lot of it has to do with the client too. Mm-hmm. So some of the things that I'm going into is like depending on the spe- you know the specific client that I'm meeting with if they're interested in x thing then I'm going to start doing research on that mm-hmm. thing because there is so many things because I even now I'm still it's learning. the open communication okay yeah and I'm still learning right yeah. like I'm barely scratching the service being here again like I said eight and a half years but then too I have you know at other advisors here that have been here 40 50 years that we can also tap into yeah. for some of that historical mm-hmm. but then the new up-to-date stuff is just trying to ingest as much as you can mm-hmm. 
uh, bouncing off other advisors here and then bouncing up, bouncing it off of our, our analyst team and, and others. So, um, you know, again, a kind of a, a very broad answer, but I mean, that that's the best way. And then um, getting opinions. So me, even as an advisor, I don't know everything. Yeah. And I'm never going to pretend to. And I, I, that's the that's some advice I'll give to the anybody listening. If you have an advisor that knows everything, like that's kind of a red flag, right? Because um, then, yeah. they're, they're, you know, they're like, oh, no, I know everything. Like, you can't know everything. And so for me, it's always um, bouncing ideas off of other people, researching things that I just, um, you know, I don't know of. And I've, I've actually learned some stuff from clients, right? Yeah. That specify, you know, they got specific investments in different areas. Mm -hmm. And I learned about it. I'm like, oh, that's great. And so, yeah. um, and so for me, I'm always looking to learn and, and, and kind of just soak things in as they come. But yeah, the best, the, the again, that's where you get an advisor though, yeah. because that's my job to do this, right? I, I get compensated to know mm -hmm. the answers to things. For sure. If you have a career somewhere else, you got to manage your career. If you got a family, your kids and significant other, and then try to research everything, mm -hmm. it's like, it's not, it's not going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. What's your um, approach to assessing a client's risk tolerance mm -hmm. and creating an investment strategy. Yeah, so that's that's one of the things that I love of our process. It's all about figuring out what the goals of the clients are, right? Mm -hmm. And we have we have a lot of different um, tools that we use, especially with the the risk profile. Yeah, that um, we have a specific profiler uh, that. We use it's like eleven questions you get to ask, and it kind of helps dictate, you know, you know what what your risk tolerance is. Yeah. So that's one tool that we use in the greater, you know, spectrum of everything. But the other thing that we do is we we got to figure out what the goals are. Like, what are you trying to achieve and accomplish? Mm -hmm. um, in the now, you know, in ten years, um, what's your bucket list? Right? What's your current situation financially? Because that's also a big dependent. For sure. Uh, I mean, a big uh, determining factor on you know knowing what type of strategies you want to do. So, I will say it's uh, you know you get you get like a lot of information off of like social media platforms and the talking heads, and they want to give blanketed advice. Um, but it's blanketed advice hardly ever works. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to investments, you want to really know, and, and and it's a risk, right? Mm -hmm. Because there could be good investments. Mm -hmm. that are successful for certain people. But if you're not in alignment with that, it's not going to work for you. And so that's a big thing that we do is, again, we do the needs analysis. We run, we have some great technology where we run projections for retirement and and um, we get all that data and then we start making recommendations, right? So, so that's where we differentiate ourselves is we, we want to try to figure out the best solutions for you and the way to do that is figuring out what your goals are. So we actually, to, to determine some of that investment stuff, has little, a, a, a very small amount to do with actual dollars and cents. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with what your goals are, what do you want to even accomplish, what do you see yourself, those type of questions that a lot of people aren't thinking are connected to the financial plan. Yeah. What's, um, you know, I, I hear this, man, and man, it, it's scary for people, isn't it? To yeah. like jump into something like this where you're you're ultimately putting all your trust into someone like you yeah. and would you say hoping for the best? Yeah, so yeah, that, and that's a hard part. Yeah. Is um when it comes to like investing, saving, financial planning, it's very delayed gratification. Mm -hmm. This is something that you you gotta can I tell clients this all the time. 
The hard part of my job is I got to convince 60-year-old Xavier mm-hmm. that the decision we're making today you're going to be happy with. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, it, it is. It's something that it's super delayed. We're not going to feel that until later. But I will say I've never had a client that ever came back and said, you know what, Roy, you made me save way too much money. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, who's, yeah. Who's gonna, yeah, so that's why I always say, like, hey, listen, it's a plan. But that's why it's got to be connected to you, yeah. the, the why. Why are we doing this? We have to mm-hmm. figure out what the why is because just saying, hey, I want to be well off or I want to grow money, that's not it. That's not it, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, you got to overcome, you know, that that psychological barrier of, like, well, I want to go on this vacation right now or I want to buy whatever thing that isn't really going to add that value, but it feels yeah. good now because it's an instant gratification. So you got to compete with that instant gratification um, in the now, knowing that, you know, again, in 30 years, you're yep. going to feel great about the decision you made, right? Yeah. And so I think one of the other big challenges is um, it's this weird thing that happens when um, we become adults. Mm-hmm. There's a perception that you're, I feel, um, that people think they're supposed to know everything about finances. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Because like you'll go to a doctor, no problem. You'll go find an attorney, no problem, if you yep. have those situations. But for the financial planning, it's like, ah, I got this. It's like, well, how and why? When did you learn that stuff? Yep. Like, and and we have to get to that point where, um, what again that barrier of like feeling embarrassed. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I tell clients, I was like, why would you be embarrassed to ask for help? Yeah, and, and it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's not even that. Like, did you take a course that you you were taught this? Did somebody teach you that? It's like, no. Okay, then there's no need to be embarrassed because you were never taught something, mm-hmm. right? It's like again, any other career. If I throw you in a kitchen to be a chef. And you yeah. never cook like high end food like that, you know? Yeah. Would you, you'd be like, well, no, I don't know what I'm doing here. That's fine, right? Yeah. Like, and the expectation wasn't for you to know that. And so, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, um, and this is a lot of people, um, it's like uh, this weird. We we got to overcome that fear of being, yeah, judged or embarrassed, you know. And I, and that's why I share my stories. Like, man, coming up, I made before I became an advisor, I made every bad choice a person can make financially. You went through it. I was in a hole when I became an advisor. Um, But I learned this stuff to get my life better. And I really think that helped me in my journey with clients at times because I was like, oh, no, I did that. And they're like, what? You you made that mistake? I was like, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And then they feel better about themselves, right? Yeah. What do you feel is most rewarding about working in in this career? Being a person that has solutions. There you go. Right. Um, it, and that, and that for me, that is, I, there's no price. Like, this is going to sound cliche, but like, there is no like price on that. Right. And, and part of the planning is I'm there for people in the awesome times, right. Mm-hmm. Helping people retire, buy businesses, buy houses, but I'm also there in really challenging times. Right. I've been in situations where, you know, I'm, I'm helping people through like death, divorce, all these things, right? The death one too is big. And, and it's a really, it's, it's really weird feeling of like sadness, but then also pride. Yeah. Because, uh, unfortunately I've been to more funerals, right. Than I, than I'd like to, to, you know, say, but, yeah. you know, but I've been to funerals though, where I'm, where people are, you know, giving prayers, which is powerful. I get it. But, you know, you know, sending up condolences, prayers and, you know, mm-hmm. 
you know, uh, making casseroles or food or whatever, right? But like a lot of times I'm there delivering a check. Oh, yeah. Right? And again, money's not everything, but what I will say is um, when people are grieving and they lost someone close and then the bills are still coming, expenses are still there. And I've seen it destroy families, again, obviously emotionally, but then that financial piece is Mm -hmm. devastating. But when I've been able to show up with that resource, yeah, that hey, you're good, just grieve, yeah, the healing, take is, care of yourself, yep. heal, and so that for me is super powerful. And again, mm-hmm. I, I just like that. I've had a few of those early in my career that really solidified my conviction, yeah. right? Um, and so for me, that's the that's the thing that I'm I'm most proud of is that impact that having solutions. Mm-hmm. For like for people that like they they couldn't get anywhere else. There you go. How do you keep a? How do you maintain an open communication with a client to build that that type that yeah. strong trust? Yeah, for me, and that's why I like sharing my story a lot. Um, again, a lot of the first conversations I have with clients is like, "Hey, this is who I am. This is my background." And I got to mm-hmm. give a quick blurb of my, my story, where I came from. Yeah. Um, I'm like, hey, I dropped out of college. Uh, FYI, made every really, you know, made a lot of bad financial choices early in my life. So I learned, you know, a lot of my journey in helping people through helping myself, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like being transparent that way has helped me build that connection. Yeah. And the walls come down right away for, for mm-hmm. folks when they, when they start hearing that, because I think, too, the perception... <clears throat> and there's a lot of great advisors out there, right? Um, the perception, though, is like, oh, no, like these people got it all figured out or, you know, they're going to be super judgy, you know, because, yeah, there's bad apples in every every industry. But for the most part, I got a lot of friends that are advisors. They're good people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, it's if you're not sharing your story, you know, they're not able to make that human connection. Connection, yep. And so that the perception of like, oh man, this person's going to judge me. Mm-hmm. Like, look at them. They're in this nice office. They're dressed super nice and slick. And, you know, they're going to think I'm I'm an idiot or I'm bad or I'm dumb, right? It's like, no, you know, that that's what I share my story. Yeah. And they're like, oh no, that, this dude, he's a regular guy. And and then they, they become more open. They become more open to sharing and building that trust with me. Yeah. That, that's a, a beautiful thing when you gain someone's trust because you can feel it. Yeah. You know, it's, I've seen a lot of people, you know, when I do these interviews, a lot of people, they're, the guards are up in the beginning. They're nervous. But then to see them slowly, slowly yeah. drop, it's a, it's a, it's a feeling unlike any other. Yeah. Um, walk me through a normal day in your office yeah. on the 23rd floor <laughs> overlooking yeah. the beautiful city of Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm usually getting in like, you know, anywhere from like 7.30 to like 8.30 mm-hmm. in the office. Um, uh, usually we have like, uh, like in my role now, I'll check in in the mornings with our advisors that are on the team, seeing how they're doing, if there's mm-hmm. any things that they need help with. Um, and then too, I'm like checking emails and then reaching out to folks that I needed to reach out the day before. Mm-hmm. And then from like 10.30 on, Usually I'm stacked with meetings from oh. like that time frame to yeah four or five o'clock, depending on the day. And then at the end of the day, I'm like catching up on what happened that day. Right. And so, yeah, so, so a lot of preparation in the morning, yeah, uh, early, um, late morning, early afternoon to, um, 
early evening. It's meetings with clients. Um, and again, with the virtual world, like you can stack so many more meetings than we did in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of the day, I'm like recapping what I did. Yeah. And then again, more follow up. That's awesome. Yeah. What achievements have you reached in your duration as a financial advisor? Yeah, one of the, in the industry, right, a couple of big ones, um, there's a award called Million Dollar Roundtable. It's like you have X amount of production. I've hit that for the last number of, you know, like I think the last three, four years we've hit that, which is pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Just a benchmark of like, that, hey, that you're bringing in a lot of, a lot of clients, which is nice. Um, we have some internal awards that you got to hit in your first year benchmarks. Um, always hit everything um, in those first years. Um, got got I've gotten some awards for um, a couple uh, veteran organizations that I've done some work with um, locally. Just being a connector, actually, the award was like the super connector in the like this um, veteran organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, so those are the big ones. I mean, I you know I've had opportunities to do a lot of speaking engagements um and got highlighted a number of times but you know some like those are some of the main like accolades and and things like that in our industry yeah what's most important to you in this line of work yeah adding value right i just i've always you know you know i i I do i'm a financial i do financial planning right Mm -hmm. but almost feels like that's secondary um, my first uh, mission always is like, just how can I add value? Whether you become a client or not, that's that's irrelevant to me. Um, obviously, I would love for everyone to have been a client of mine, but I can only service so many people anyways. But what I can do is always add value. If it's through getting you connected to somebody, um, you know, if it's giving some advice or, you know, teaching you about something that you didn't know about, it's, you know, if, if there's something that you're looking for, but the big thing too is just connecting people to each other too. Um, that I think you know people don't realize how big that is. That's, mm-hmm. that's a game changer. So you know if I can help you as a as a, as your advisor and you become a client, that's like a cherry on top. But the most important thing to me is just adding some kind of value. I want people to leave um, a conversation with me or uh, or look at our relationship and be like, oh no, that guy's adding value. I, I want to keep him around, right? Yeah, um, and, and it's not like a selfish thing. It's just you know I, I always feel like if you can help enough people, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of that will reciprocate, so I can continue to take care of my family, right? Yeah, and so I just always want to be able to be. I will always want to be known as like a problem solver. It can be you know obviously financial too, but if it could be anything, and and then I got access to that, I'm, I'm going to try to help. That's a blessing, yeah, man. Client or not. Yeah. So that's that's always the thing. Like when people ask, like, what, you know, what do you want your legacy to be? It's like, I want it to be someone that created significance, meaning I helped a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? Because I want my my kids, my grandkids, and their kids, if my legacy is long enough, to be proud of who I was. Yep. That there's no second guesses or like, oh, you know, he's taking was, pride in the name, man. Yeah. So that that's yeah. my thing. Um, yeah. Man. Where do you see yourself in the next five? Um, here uh, at our organization, growing a, continuing to grow our team. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, multiplying, right? It, you know, would I would say like doubling our size as far as advisors and impact. Yeah. Um, and then just continuing to to change 
what a what, what like what the feel of what an advisor is or what they look like, right? Kind of disrupting mm-hmm. that, right? And so coming to market, um, just different, right? And, yeah. And and you know it's an old industry, right? Mm-hmm. The average age of an advisor right now is like fifty five. Wow. So it's a very old industry. <laughs> wow. Right, but it's an yeah. important industry. It is. Definitely. So I want to be a part of that transitioning era mm-hmm. of kind of revitalizing the, the the workforce, if you would. Yeah. What advice would you give to anyone taking the path of financial planning, advising? Yeah, yeah no, that's a good question because there's a lot of advice. But a couple of the key things um, is make sure you um, remain open-minded, right, as far as like learning and growing um, and and not drinking too much of a Kool-Aid of any organization that you're in. Mm-hmm. Because like even, I, I love this, like I'll, I'll be at Northwestern Mutual until I'm out of here, right? Like, mm-hmm. but I also go outside to learn and grow and go to different trainings, go to different seminars, go to different things. Yeah. Um, because it's, you just want to get perspective. And I think the to, to give the best advice, you got to have as much perspective as possible. So that'd be one thing, right? Just keep keep an open mind and always look to learn, even yeah. if it's outside of your organization, because I think people fall into that trap. Yep. Right? Um, the other thing is um, patience. Just like for our clients, gratification is delayed. Same thing here. Yeah. Right? You can, um, you can build a financial planning practice pretty quickly, but it, it's a lot of work, right? And so you got to remain patient. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also not be in your own head, right? Because the hardest part, like I always give the example, like you have friends, right? Yeah. Do you have friends that you give advice to? Yes. And they don't, have you had friends not listen to that advice? Yeah. How does that make you feel? You know, it's a shame. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've been in that position too. I've had friends that, you know, growing up, before I got to a point where, you know, self-reflection and really hit hard, people tell me, you know, give me advice of what to do and you don't follow it and then yeah. you get your results and yeah. And that's the hard part here is mm-hmm. I sit down with people or anybody sits down with the person, puts together a financial plan. They actually have the resources to execute and then they just don't do it. Wow. Right. So that that's frustrating. Yeah. Right. And then what happens in the career is if you focus on that, you get all in your head. You're like, Oh my God, this person um, thinks, you know, I'm not good at this or they hate me or I'm not a good advisor. And then they end up like leaving the industry because they focus on those challenges. But if you can get in that mindset of knowing that people are making decisions, Mm -hmm. um, but it has nothing to do with you. They're just making personal decisions on their situation, what they're going through. um, That'll help keep you here long enough to be successful. Right. So just, you know, getting out of your own head um, and then not prejudging anybody Mm -hmm. as an advisor. Um, you know, you gotta be out here trying to look to help any and everybody in the beginning, right? And then later on, you develop a specialty market. But um, I remember my first year, man. There was people that I thought were gonna be my best clients, my best supporters, right? Because yeah. they love me and they care about me, and it didn't, yeah, right. And then there was these people that, like, I barely just got to know, or I'm like, well, we'll see where this goes, or I don't even know if I want to keep this meeting, but end up being some of my best advocates, yeah. Um, and so again, not prejudging folks is another big thing in this industry. I don't want to discredit, but when I was a bartender, yeah, that's kind of how it is. Yeah, you, yeah, like 
there's people that you know you think are gonna they're gonna be the ones to tip yeah, good. Those are the tippers, right? Those are the tippers <laughs> right there, and then bam, at the end they leave. Boom. <laughs> but um, you know, it, it's I, I really think it's important to to not only tell your story but also give this insight um, because financial literacy is something I know for a fact that through our education isn't pushed. Uh, for me, I wish it would have been pushed more. Yeah. Um, I, what I was going through during school, uh, I I never thought that would be something. Yeah. And, and here I am at 34. Now I'm finally dipping in and diving in and, you know, just wishing mm-hmm. I had had these type of resources, wishing I had I'd focused more. And there's nothing you could do about no, that, no. you know. But it's very important what you do because we do have – you don't want to work your whole life. You want to one day be able to enjoy it whether you're married or whether you're on your own, but enjoy life. We only have – you. Know, we have limited time here. Yeah. So – I appreciate I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Um I respect what you do. Sure. And and I definitely I cheer you on. Mm-hmm. You you I look around your office. I'm I love the setup. It, it, <laughs> yeah. My boy out here. Yeah, yeah. Gold award. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Silver <laughs> award. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I got yeah. those awards too. I forgot. Yeah. yeah, those are like the year ones. I got you know that that other thing that you're looking at right yeah. there. It's a it says fast track on there. That's uh you get your within your first five years you can qualify to go to this high level training with all the yeah. other advisors from across the country mm-hmm. here tenure that are kind of up and coming or at that elite yeah. status. So I got to got to go to that. So I guess I did yeah. some more things. I just forget yeah. about that <laughs> stuff. But yeah, but it, it seems like you're in a happy place, man. Yeah. Every time oh, man. I talk to you, you um the last time we were together, you took me to a Brewers yep. game. Yep. You know, all-inclusive yeah. type of you know, event. I, uh, I don't take care of you. you know? yeah. I, show, I show you what I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, But also on that, networking was a big yeah. thing you wanted out of that night, and it did work. And, yeah. and I appreciate that because we live in a time where most don't want to look out for the other because yeah. they don't want the other to pass them up. Yeah. And it's a sad thing, but it is that's the reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more in the sense of if you, you in any way – ally me i ally you and it's about getting it out to the community especially our youth you know financial literacy is real yeah and you're if you don't i feel like if you don't get on top of that yeah you're gonna struggle throughout life but um i appreciate you coming on absolutely bro. um and you know we'll continue to have a a friendship outside of this interview but uh really thank you for coming on yeah uh, with that being said, yeah, spearhead up. <laughs> <All right. laughs>